welcome to Behind the Sport. This is episode number 46. Brent, back in the guest host chair. How are you doing today? Yeah, absolutely magic, man. Um, flat out as always, but uh, looking forward to the F1 in, in Melbourne and then the supercars coming over to Perth. So there's yeah, some yeah. big stuff going on. We're really keen on that. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of supercars and big time stuff, today's guest, who is it? Well, we've got Mr. Grant Johnson in the chair, one of the uh, local legends of WA Motorsport. Also competing in V8 Utes for quite a few years. Been over to Sepang for a couple of tilts at the Sepang 12-hour and uh, a few other bits and pieces. So looking forward to catching up. And uh, Grant, how are you today? Yeah, good, Shane. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Covered after. Thanks for uh, having us on on your program. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Even though you told us in the intro you've never listened to an episode, but we won't hold that against you. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it on on going in the background. Yeah, yeah. Look, those long drives down to Collie, you know, you, you could always fit at least two episodes in that. And, yeah. Um, although I guess because there's that, yeah, there's hardly anyone that's ever really ahead of you at the racetrack, so. There's no one you can really tune in to listen to and get their get their secrets and tactics. So grab some tips. Yeah. So I think everyone's going to probably be listening into this one, especially from the local WA Saloon uh, Car Championship. I think that's that's going to be one of the biggest episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that, but it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Grant, tell us how did you get started with motorsport? Um, I think like everybody, um, when they were kids, they, they'd like to, to race around and watch, um, watch some motor racing on TV, watch Brocky at Bathurst and, and that side of things. And I think, um, yeah, I always wanted to, to drive when I was growing up and my, my dad actually started racing at Barbagallo, uh, would have been the, the late eighties. And, um, so I went up there, started crewing with him um and the team and um yeah it just kind of um grew from there and i eventually got into a car um when i was 20 just before my 21st birthday so as motorsport starters go you're a bit of a late bloomer yeah you didn't do any go-karting uh did the odd hire go-kart with my mates um like everyone does but um never raced go-karts or anything else before that that um, actually surprised me. I think we, we spoke about that in Collie very briefly, um, that you, you've never been in go-karts, which I found quite fascinating because um, usually that's the start-off point for a lot of people and uh, especially, you know, they get through to some of the bigger series is they've all got go-karts behind them. So you uh, decide to go down a different path. What was your first car that you, you uh, had a steer of? Uh, actually, the first, the very first race car I drove, I did a couple laps in uh, my dad's LJ um, Tirana um, on a, just on a practice day. Um, and then when I actually started racing, I drove a X-Brock VL and in the local streetcar class. Yeah, well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a baptism of fire um, straight into something V8 and lock diff. So yeah, it was um, yeah a lot of fun. Yeah, LJ Tirana is actually the 
I think one of my dad's favourite cars that he ever owned, going to a few different Taranas and he's out. The LJ, I think, was the one that he did the most work on and did it all up. And we went back and forth across the Nullarbor oh, four or five times in, in that Tirana. Um, yeah, a bit of a weird car to do that long trek in, but... Um... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a lot of room in the back, is there? No. <laughs> Luckily, the little kids at the time, so... Didn't phase us too much, but um, yeah, looking back at them now, like they, there'd be no way as teenagers or above you could do that trip. But um, the um, the the X Brock VL, how'd you get your hands on that? Uh, it actually um, came about from a friend of ours, um, Craig Bradkey. He had it at the time. He was going through a um, a few few financial issues, I guess, um, without getting too too much into it, and um, we ended up buying the car off him. So, um, kind of helping him out at the time. So, I ended up doing a three hundred, the one three hundred as his co-driver. That was the first race I did, and um, which we ended up DNFing because we had a electrical issue, but. Um, and then the following year started racing racing that. So he bought that um, off Brock and had run it um, the previous uh, few years um, um, in the, street, the local streetcar class. So it was originally a, a Group A um, VL. So you DNF the first time. What was your second time out like? I uh, can't, can't honestly remember. Um, I would have been the night masters. So um, I actually think I qualified quite well. I think I ended up qualifying on the short track around third outright. Uh, that's when Gord Mitchell was running his, um, back then it would have been the VR um, turbocharged straight six, um, as much as that sounds strange, because um, he just upgraded from his VL to a VR, and um, yeah, had a had a reasonable start. Um, got um, swallowed, I think, by a couple of escorts, and um, going into turn one, I thought I'd out outbreak one of the escorts. Um, I did, but I didn't make the corner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you end up in the sand <laughs> in, the sand. <laughs> in the sand um so the the crew gave me a little present with a bucket and spade and um yeah so that was uh that was my first outing and um yeah so end up i think we end up around third in the state championship that first year yeah. and um yeah had had a um a slow progression to be honest, um, coming up through the ranks because having never driven before, um, I guess I had had a reasonable amount of lap speed, but um, not a lot of racecraft as such. So uh, that was the bit to to um, kind of really get get my head around, especially when I was so young and and I was probably um, yeah very green in that regard. So I was always uh, worried about you know. Um, um, hitting other cars and, you know, all that type of thing. So I was very conservative. The um, You say you had a bit of a, a slow rise up, but by the time 1996 came around, your uh, Australian Touring Car Championship and three races, how'd that come about? 
Oh, uh, well, the, yeah, that was uh, the following year. So um, 95 was the first year. Um, and then, um, yeah, we we kind of had a bit of sponsorship from Clarion Co Audio and a few other local um, uh, sponsors at the time. So we actually upgraded um, from the, the VL. Um, we bought Alf Barbagallo's, um, then it was a v, VR um, V8 supercar. So, um, yeah, so we, second year racing, we were straight into the, the supercar. So I ended up racing against um, Brock and, Seaton and all those all those guys. It was the first year that um pretty sure it was the first year Craig Lowndes was on the scene as well. Um yeah, it was um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't have as much experience as those guys, that's for sure. Well looking at that nineteen ninety six championship and yeah, Craig Lowndes is there, top of the ladder, John Bauer, Glenn Seaton, Peter Brock, Larry Perkins, Russell Ingle. Wayne Gardner, Alan Jones, Mark Scaife, Dick Johnson, Tony Longhurst, Stephen Richards, Neil Cramp, uh, Neil Crompton. That's some massive names that you're uh, out on track with. Did you did you manage to um, scrape paint with any of them? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, not that year. Um, I think uh, I remember the first race. I ended up getting lapped. And I got, well, I didn't get lapped, I should say. They, Lowndes and Brock finished right behind me going um, when they, they finished the race and I was I was in front. So I was still, you know, one more lap to go. And I was so, so busy looking at them in the mirror. Again, I went off at turn one. Um, I don't come off very often, but, um, yeah, so I, I came off at turn one, um, came back onto the track in between Lowndes and Brock. And I didn't realise at the time that that actually finished and I was like waving Brock on <laughs> and Peter's waving me forward. Uh, it took, took me um, a few seconds to, to twig what was going on and I took off and finished the race. So uh, I ended up finishing on the lead lap, I think. I think I finished on the lead lap. Yeah, it's a long time ago. So, um, yeah, so that was a – it was just a huge learning curve. I, I think I ended up – and there was quite a lot of local drivers at that time. I mean, we had Tim Slaco and uh, Claude Georgie and um, a few of the other guys. I think there was, and I think there was, um, yeah, there was probably five or six locals at that time. And um, yeah, ended up finishing the first West Australian, um, which I think was probably just because I finished all three races more than anything else. Um, but yeah, end up standing on the dice with with Lounsey, Peter, and Glenn Seaton, uh, Steve Richards. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, you know, I've still got that photo. I've got them all to sign it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, pretty surreal. Type. Looking at looking at those standings for that year, you've got a bit of a, a claim in that first year of uh, finishing ahead of uh, Larco. In the, in the standings, <laughs> I mean, granted, it's probably alphabetical, but um, <laughs> <why not? laughs> uh, and Jim Richards, so <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I won't say they were at the twilight of their careers then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think looking back, 
um, what what I didn't know back then when I first started um, was a lot. So I, I I definitely progressed as a driver um, in the years to come after that, and I would just kind of if I'd had a little bit more experience back then, possibly it might have gone a bit further. But um, you know, all in all, we did pretty good for the years that we've been driving. The um, second year in the um, Australian Touring Car Championship, yeah, finished in the points. You managed to pick up uh, what, six points and um, see a very famous West Australian name on there. Jeff Kendrick was racing that year. Yes, yep. Yeah, so he'd, um, yeah, he came on board. Um yeah, the second second year we had a um, yeah a lot better run. We I guess we had a bit of a, a local advantage because one of the races had been raining, and it looked like it was going to stop, um, or it just had stopped. And knowing the the local conditions and the track would dry out reasonably quickly, um, a few of us actually went out and on drives. Uh, yeah. I, I know I was included. Um, so yeah, so he, um, I think Alan McCarthy was driving at the time and I think he ended up fifth or sixth outright. Um, and, um, yeah, and I had a good, good run with Russell Ingle, uh, towards the end. We were having a bit of a dice there. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it was just more the conditions, just having the right tires on at the right time. Yeah. Nice. The, um, that year was also the three-hour Bathurst event. Um, you're in a Honda Civic, something which uh, I think anyone that's only sort of recently known you would probably be a bit surprised to see you not in a Ford or a, a Holden of some sort. Um, <laughs> was that your? Was that the first time you ever went to Bathurst? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I drove um, as a co-driver with Alan Letcher. It was his car. And he'd done a lot of the Australian production series in that car. So, um, and I'm pretty sure he, the previous year he drove there with, um, I think it was Adam McRoy, um, uh, Macro, sorry. Um, and yeah, so yeah, first time at Bathurst, I remember going across the, the top uh, through McPhillamy and um, coming down into Skyline and, and obviously I'd watched Bathurst, so I knew where the track was going. Um, and, uh, yeah, missed it completely. It track went right. I was going straight. So, um, yeah, uh, that was first lap. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was, uh, came, well, didn't hit anything. Um, most importantly, and, uh, yeah, I progressed over the, 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 the sessions and, um, I was end up, I was actually faster than Alan at one stage and, um, I was a lot quicker than him over the top and he was going, Oh, what are you doing over the top? I'm going, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, Oh, do you lift here, lift there? I'm going lift. No, I'm just flat across the top. Aren't you? <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he ended up um, going flat across the top as well. And, um, but yeah, we, we, I think we end up, uh, second, second in class. Um, yeah, we were running against a couple of the, the faster Mazdas at the time with bigger engines. And, um, because of that, I think it was because of the VTEC. So they didn't kind of have the classes, um, 
the way they have them now. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. Had uh, the had a one little incident with the the Honda into last corner um, with the ABS and um, turned it in the rear wheel come come off the ground and it took the brakes off. So um, ended up going through the corner a little bit faster than I anticipated. Uh, took the mirror off on the exit. So, uh, um, but that was the only indicate. Um, any kind of scratch or anything we did with the car and um, yeah, we fin- managed to finish good. It's uh, interesting you mentioned about not lifting across the top because I think that's been um, the sentiment from everyone we've asked about that's driven at Bathurst is that you just don't lift across the top and it's feels unnatural not to lift to some of those people, but yeah, they, they said that we need to, li- uh, yeah, don't, don't lift, just keep it flat. Yeah, particularly in front-wheel drive cars, um, it's it's one of those things. If you lift the back, will probably swing around or you know unsettle the car. So as long as you you're on drive and you're pointing in the right direction, the car will keep kind of going in that direction. Um, yeah, I mean, later years I did a bit of super tours and uh, quite a lot of mm-hmm. front-wheel drive cars. So um, yeah, that was the first hit out, and um, yeah, it was good fun. The um, following year, uh, the FI, FAI 1000 Classic, I think that's what everyone, well, a lot of some of us older people remember um, Bathurst as FAI. Um, uh, like Hardy's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know, you're older than me, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm 48 this year. I feel feel, feel a lot older than that, but um, yeah, only six years older. <laughs> the um, and again, you know, and you entered in that. Um, uh, we're a bit more comfortable entering in in something you're a bit more familiar driving. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the car, the car that we drove in the, the 98 was 98 Bathurst, um, was, was our old car that we'd got off, um, Alf. So we'd run it locally for a couple of years and, um, we'd just done the, the night masters, um, locally when they had the three by three races. Um, and we'd run against um, Tony Riccadello, which is first hit out in the Alpha. Um, so we had a quite a good little um, uh, sprint race. Um, yeah, nine of them. Um, fortunately, he'd um, he pit me on most most of those, um, and um, but I ended up breaking the lap record for V8 supercars at the time, and then. Um, um yeah Nathan Pretty and his family bought the the car office um part of the sale was that they're going to go and do Bathurst um so we we um did a deal with them to do Bathurst um as their co-driver so um it was Nathan as the lead driver uh, Nicole his sister and myself as the um the co-driver so it was actually going to be three of us driving for Bathurst um, the car itself, um, 
I mean, it was originally built as um, a Group AVN and it was upgraded over the years um, to the, the then current spec VS supercar. And um, but we still had the manual steering rack in the car. So we were one of only two cars in the field with manual steering. Um, and it was um, the shocks and spring rates in the car was, were as we had it at Barbagello. So it was, it was very stiff. Um, your feet would bounce. I remember the feet bouncing off the pedals going down the straight, down Conrod. Um, so it was actually hard to keep it flat um, down Conrod because it was bouncing around so much. Um, but, um, yeah, it was awesome fun, so much fun. Did you, by the sounds of you, probably preferred that than the uh, little Honda? Um, <laughs> probably, but I'm not. I'm not sure at the time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, over the years, I've I've driven so many different cars. Um, I've been lucky enough to, yeah, I, I would hate to think how many that there is, but um, and I've enjoyed every single one of them from HQs, the Honda. Um, yeah, little, um, yeah, little cars over in, in, um, Malaysia, whatever it is, I, I've enjoyed them all. Um, yeah. The, um, fast forward a bit because, um, went, I guess, sort of a bit of local racing and that, um, and a couple, couple more laps with the, um, Supercars, um, flash forward to 2002 and um, the Konica V8 Supercar Series. Now, is that Super 3 now or Super 2? Uh, that would be the, the – well, at the time was development, so it would be Super 2. Super 2, okay. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with the names sometimes when they, they chop and change them around. And, um, yeah. But – you entered that and finished 10th overall. So how did that drive come about? Uh, that actually started off as a, um, a what they called chance of a lifetime. So um, I think recently it was something similar called uh, Search for a Champion, I think they called it. Um, so it was a similar process. So um, i just seen an ad in um, – auto action and um, it was, I think it was like two and a half thousand dollars at the time to enter. And the basic scenario was that we, um, you paid your money, you went to a, into a heat day, which was run at Wakefield. Um, you drove, um, um, well, MoPro, MoPro Australia were running the competition and they'd run um, at the time a one make series um, of Daewoo's. Right. So, um, yeah, so I, so that the heats were done in Daewoo's because that's the cars they had. Um, so basically you went there, you did five, five, um, um, times three laps. So you, you went out, you did a warm up lap, you did three timed laps and then a cool down lap and came in. You did that in five different cars. So, um, there was no way of kind of saying, oh, well, this car's faster than that car. So every person on the day um, drove 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 five different cars. So, and then what they did is they averaged those three laps in each of those cars, and then averaged those to one lap 
time for the day, if that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Did I explain it well? Yes, uh, so, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so basically you end up doing 15, 15 timed laps in five different cars, which was average to a one lap. Um, that was for the heat. And then they, you, then they got it into the top, I think it was a top 30. Um, and then you did, did that again on the final, uh, which was another day. And, um, and then they brought it down to a top 10 and then you did another, another three cars. So it was, um, yeah. And the first, first prize was, um, was the V8 drive in the Konica car. Um, so I think there was 124 entries and, um, yeah, I won it. So there was a couple of local guys that were there as well. Clint Harvey and Kerry Wade were there as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to yeah, get the, get the major prize. I think second prize was a drive in the MG series, which was coming out the next year. Um, and third prize was a Daewoo drive. So, um, and that's how the Konica drive came around. But, um, unfortunately for, for the team, uh, they really didn't have a lot of funds. So, um, I mean, we were, we went to Phillip Island. One of the rounds at Phillip Island, we we blew some tires because they just wore out. Um, they were allowed to have two sets of tires. We had one set, and um, it just they just didn't quite get the <laughs> get through the weekend. They just wore out. Um, but um, yeah, it was really really good fun. Learned a lot. I think I end up fourth at um, at Winton. Um, I actually was the quickest in the warm up until the last lap. The um, the track was drying out, and I was I was the quickest in the warm up on the on the Sunday morning, um, right from the get go. And um, I think um, uh, Dumbrell at the time, who was driving um, the Russell Ingle car from the previous year, ended up pipping me in the warm up. Um, and he won the series. The car was car, and he as a package was pretty much unbeatable. I think Dale Breed was the only other person that that year that um, did half decent. Looking at the list of people in there, um, got fellow. Well, depends depends when you speak to them if they're fellow West Aussies or they're <laughs> they're exports. We got Leanne Tander in there. Um, we spoke to Garth. God, a couple of years ago now, um, and he was sort of on the verge of saying he was a Victorian now because he spent so much time over there. Yeah, he's probably spent more time over there than here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So no, tenth, finished tenth. So I think that was pretty, pretty, pretty good outing for someone who's, um, you know, just sort of says he just sort of started late and. Yeah, well, I mean, every track we went to was the first time I'd been there. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, that's, that's the hardest thing from racing over here, um, in WA, um, when you go nationally, you're racing against guys that have done thousands of laps at that track. It's like, you know, an Eastern Stater coming over to Barbagallo and trying to beat me. (laughs) It's kind of a bit hard for them. Um, and it was like that when I was going over there. So I was, you know, to go go to a track for the first time and be competitive was really good. Um, it kind of, um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, 
yeah, for for the budget we had and and the car that we had. I mean, at the time it was a it was an ex Glen Seaton car, so it was actually the one of the ELs um, that um, Glen and his team had built. Um, so I think it was the '97 car from memory. Um, but it, I mean, we didn't have a front sway bar on the car, and the front, at the first round, I questioned why there wasn't a front sway bar, and the answer was that that was the hot setup. And um, <laughs> um, as I as I learned through the series, um, it wasn't actually the hot setup. It's just that they couldn't afford to put one on it. So um, so the car for what we had and for what the team was. Um, yeah, we did exceptional, and it was it was a really not only a learning curve, but it was um, a good uh, team building exercise. And I, and I was still got some of the guys um, from that team. I'm still friends with, with today. Um, you know, one of the actual team manager at the time, uh, John Pachos. He's um, he was instrumental um, getting me into the Utes. Um, I mean, AKA Barrel, um, they call him, but um, yeah, he, he ran the, the Ute team, High Tech Motorsport, and um, yeah, that's how I got into Utes through him. So while doing the uh, Konica V8 series, you're also doing the Australian Super Touring Championship in a Ford Mondeo gear of all cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a awesome year it was just it was one of those um situations like it was a perfect perfect storm everything kind of aligned um the previous year i'd i'd gone to malaysia and um and that came off a a drive um, through alan letcher um uh, he had a he was going to malaysia with um peter hills who who runs the the super touring team um, and, um, um, who was it? It was Anthony, uh, what's his surname? Sorry, I've forgotten his surname will come to me. Um, anyway, Anthony couldn't make it. The three, there was three of them going to do a 12 hour in Malaysia. And it was like the day before they had to leave. Um, Alan rang me and said, look, can you get to Malaysia, um, for this 12 hour? Um, so it was right on the death note. Knock! I, I've got a got my flights and and been able to get over there. Did the twelve hour? We did really well, and that's when I met Peter. Um, and um, fortunately for me, I was the fastest in the car at Malaysia, and um, he offered me a drive in the the Super Tourer. So um, I managed to get a bit of um, money together through a couple of little little sponsors and. Um, yeah, we got the super touring drive in the V6. Yeah, awesome. Very, very busy year that year. Yeah, it was. It was very busy. It's um, yeah, we end up um, yeah, I mean that V6 um, one day was the first time I'd driven a, a sequential box, um, anything like that. Um, I mean it had close to three hundred horsepower at the front wheels, um, and um. Yeah, it's uh, that was one of those those cars that if you lifted, particularly on cold tires, you'd have a spin. So um, yeah, I had a yeah a couple of little moments um, when I first first got in, and um, but I never lifted. 
um, end up winning a race. Um, I think it was the first or second outing um, at Calder Park. Um, the second race, uh, the the brake brake line wore through the front wheel, and I went off at turn one with no brakes, which is pretty fast there. Um, if you've ever been to Calder, it's um it's a <laughs> it's a long straight. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, end up um, yeah, end up having a yeah, very very busy year, and I think I actually got married that year too, 2002. I did actually, sorry. Uh, <laughs> in case the wife's listening, it was a great year. Um, and we we actually spent our, um, our honeymoon over there. So we went to, um, so our honeymoon consisted of the first round of the uh, Super Tours at Oran Park and the first round of the Conacher at Wakefield Park. So we we spent uh, just over a week and a half there and did two race meetings. Um, just shows that you know having a having a lovely supporting person at your side is definitely uh, useful in those situations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, we were yeah we weren't definitely weren't um, um, how we say um, flush with money back then. So it was um, not that I am now either. To my, by the way, but um, yeah, so we had to kind of. Unfortunately, I was going there anyway, so we kind of made that the uh, the trip because we really couldn't afford much else anyway. So. The um, in two thousand and four, I see you entered the uh, Lotus Trophy Series. What car were you racing in that? Um, the, the the Lotus Elise, um, I think it was. Yeah, it would have been Lotus Elise. So, um, yeah, they're coming over. I'd previously done a round in the um, the MGs um, when they they'd done. I think that was in two thousand and two. They came across, um, and Adam Bressington at the time he he was running one, but he ended up having an appendix out so um the car was here he couldn't mm -hmm. race it i jumped in and winning the round in the mg and so when the lotuses were coming over which were run by mopro australia the same one same company that ran the uh, chance of a lifetime um so um i did a deal with them to run the lotus um and yeah end up having the same same kind of result we end up winning that um as a one round one-off event did you fit in the Lotus? Sorry? Did you fit in the Lotus very well? I know you're as tall as me, so. Yeah, um, yeah, they had to check check the head on the roll bar. <laughs> so I was, um, yeah, so I was a bit squashed in there to get my head down low enough. But um, yeah, I've, I guess the, the way I'm built, I've got long arms, long legs and a short body. So I don't kind of sit up high in the seat. And um, so yeah, I think that was, my one advantage in that regard but yeah wasn't wasn't um a lot of room in it so i think i've got the opposite problem i've got short arms short legs and this long trunk and just can't fit in anything yeah that that can be a problem with height with particularly when you get roll cages and stuff like that in cars but um uh the yeah. load the lotus is um, thank you for not sorry thank you for not mentioning the big belly and you know all the other stuff that comes along with it but yep <laughs> <laughs> that's not for me to say those things <laughs> yeah. i was i was going to lead in with the long pockets but you know we didn't think uh, of yeah. <laughs> long pockets and short arms <laughs> uh, uh 2000 and um 
2005 was another busy year for you. You've got 14 races in saloon car series, 12 races, V8 utes. Now, you obviously mentioned before um, the person that was responsible for that drive coming about, but how did, how did it actually come about in terms of like, was it just they just rang up and said, hey, you want to come racing or was it a something you were looking at and going, hey, I really want to do that? Uh, no, it was actually, it was uh, wild. John had um, asked me to, you know, get into Utes earlier and um, and I just could never afford it. So it was never going to be a possibility. And I'd helped out the team um, at a couple of rounds. Like I went over and helped them out at Clipsaw as part of the crew um, when he was running um, Dave Griffin with the, the um, pedigree car at the time. And, um, and then in 2005, um, he had um, Chris Pither driving for him and um, Chris had done, done a, a pretty good job in the car and he was basically poached by another team um, and he started driving under Kanga Lotus. And so come um, uh, Darwin, um, John had, had turned up and didn't have a driver for the car. So it was uh, Wednesday night. Um, he was ringing, ringing to see if I could get up there and um, have a drive of the, the car at Darwin and, um, yeah, managed to get a, thing, a couple of um, couple of dollars together and, um, uh, and the flights. And I think I flew in Thursday night um, on the midnight flight um, and then we were, we were on the track in Friday morning. And um, yeah, so that was uh, first time at Darwin, first time in a V8 Ute, and um, yeah, we did did really well and end up third third for the round. Um, as it turned out, I later found out a couple of cars that finished in front of us um, weren't weren't quite legal. So um, yeah, we yeah we did really well, and uh, that was really the first first of many times I've been to Darwin, and and pretty much every time I've been there, I've I've I wouldn't say dominated, but I've been um, yeah quite 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 good there. How how good is it in Valley as a track, but it's fantastic up there. Oh, it it is so good. Uh, I I love it. I mean, there's not many tracks I don't love to be honest, but um, I've just done so well there, and I don't know if it's just it suits my driving style. Um, it's got some really good braking. Um, spots um, and generally pretty good under brakes, which does help. Um, but yeah, I've just, yeah, just love the place. It's good. So your first season in V8 Utes, you finished 24th. Um, were you playing a bit of, um, pub pool with people and sort of just tricking them into what was going to happen in the next year when you <laughs> just came easily third the next year? Yeah. Well, kind of only did three rounds that first year. So, um, so I did the round in, what in what Darwin. Yeah, that's right. I did the – I might have done four rounds, actually. You probably know more than I do. Um, yeah, I did the Darwin round, um, end up going to um, – we did a, a round at Sandown um, that we we changed a car, so we went, went in a different car. And um, 
it probably wasn't as um, developed, we'll say. Um, it was kind of crab walking down the road. Uh, so um, we didn't qualify as good, but then it, the rains came um, and, um, yeah, we had really good pace and unfortunately got like, taken out. Um, uh, actually, that was actually the first time Jack, Jack Ellsgood hit me. So <laughs> that ended up being uh, one of my nemesis. Um, really good bloke. I ended up being a teammate as well. But um, And um, so that was my first interaction with Jack and um, got taken out. And, um, yeah, that was the end of the weekend. So we didn't really kind of shoot too many um, shots in that, that regard at that event. Um, I think I also did a round at uh, Malala um, and I got, uh, there was the same thing. Uh, I think I qualified second or third outright. And then, um, yeah, the rains came. I got to the front. Um, I was basically cruising out the front and, yeah, lost concentration, drove off the track all by myself. I can't blame anyone. And, um, yeah, so I didn't get many points there either. So, yeah, to answer your question, we probably should have actually done a lot better in that first few rounds and that we did, but we definitely, I did enough that um, Greg at Grove um, was confident in, in picking up the tab uh, for the, the following year. And um, as that turned out, it ended up being um, four or five years after that. So, The um, 2007 series, we came out on top. What was the feeling like taking out, you know, such a such a big series for the first time um, after only a couple of years in it? Um, oh, that was awesome. I mean, I think 2006, I think we actually um, had a better year. Um, we just had um, a couple of DNFs because of um, mechanical issues in 2006. So we, I think we actually had a faster car compared to the the rest of the field in 2006. Um, but again, I guess most of the rounds we went to were my first time at the track uh, or maybe second time. So um, by 2007, we'd really kind of, um, I guess, hit our strides a little bit. And um, it was the last year of the of that model before they went to VE. And, um, and Jack and I were pretty much, um, uh, toe to toe all year, um, and coming into the second last round at Tasmania, um, I had it basically. Um, I wouldn't say all to myself, but I had I was in re I was in touch still, and um, I managed to last last race managed to lock the rear going into the, into the pit corner and um, and spinning out. I uh, lost a heap of positions um, and I think mm -hmm. I went into the last round of the the year at Phillip Island 34 um, points or 32 points behind um, and it was like 36 for a race win. So with three races to go at Phillip Island, it was, it was a mathematical chance of winning the championship, but it was um, pretty much out of touch, So particularly because we'd been so close all year. And um, yeah, um, everything kind of fell 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 to us. We had a really bad bad qualifying session because we we 
made sure we roaded the tyres. We spoke to uh, Yokohama before we went there. Uh, Yokohama were really a little bit worried about the tyre, um, maybe delaminating and causing problems at Phillip Island with the high loads, particularly if you um, were too hard on them um, too early. Um, so, and normally in qualifying in the, in those, um, in those days, you'd, you'd go as hard as you could on a green tire because that's, that's when you, you'd get an advantage, um, and, and get a good qualifying time. Um, so I was told not to go fast and, and do three or four laps slow to road the tire in, uh, before I could get onto it. And then, um. So when it came to qualifying, I think I ended up qualifying third or fourth, which doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound that bad. But um, when you're normally on the front row, it's not the best. And then um, yes, yeah, so I had it all to do in the first race, and again I had a had a rear brake lock up. Um, went back to about fifteenth, uh, managed to get get back on the last lap up to tenth. Uh, back then they had a reverse grid top ten top 12, something like that. And, um, yeah, so the reverse grid started up towards the front um, with pretty much everyone that was slower around me uh, managed to win the reverse grid, um, which actually put me off the front row in the, the last one with Jack next to me. He still had a 30-odd a point um, um, buffer, uh, so he basically just had to finish second and um, he would have won the championship. I got off the line uh, better. Um, he was following me around, and um, he was just pushing as hard as he could to to win that last race. And um, he had a tire delaminate, um, which took out all the wiring loom, and he DNF'd. And that, and with the win that of the last race, it gave us the championship win. So it was it was definitely unexpected. It wasn't something that we. I thought it was going to be possible. It was just, um, yeah, when it happened, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, the crew were crying on the wall. Uh, yeah, it was quite emotional. The next few years you spent in the Utes, um, some pretty impressive results. Um, but you also did some, uh, some more racing over in Malaysia, uh, some endurance racing. Sepang... I've been to once um, and I absolutely think that track is beautiful. Mm. Um, from a driver's perspective, what's Sepang like? Yeah, it's, it's just so fast and flowing. Um, even the, the tighter corners are still flowing because they tend to open on the exit. Um, so it's, it's just, and it's so long. Like it's, um, I can't even remember how <laughs> what the lap times are, um, but yeah, I race race there quite a few times in the twelve hour. Started off in the protons, um, end up going over there and racing um, with Mark Eddy um, in the in the DC five. So I did that uh, a few years, and Dean Fiore was driving with us as well um, back then, and um, end up in the Subaru WRX, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Such as again, it's just one of those tracks that you can you can have a bit of a crack at. So it's there's a lot of braking areas, um, a lot of a lot of corners that you really kind of just balancing the car through to try and maintain corner speed. Um, 
yeah, I, I just yeah, I've always done really well there, and um, and again, I just don't know why whether it just suits my driving style or whatever it is, but um, yeah, really like it. In terms of going from the, and this is not at all bagging out Australian tracks because a lot of our tracks are just you know local tracks, um, but in terms of going from you know the local Australian tracks over to a international class facility which um you know now i've sort of i guess we've got sydney motorsport parks lifted up there the bend's getting there um but you know was that yeah having that difference was was that a bit overwhelming or was it just like yep still a garage still a track let's just go yeah yeah exactly yeah car track go which way do i go what's the lap record um (laughs) it's um yeah it yeah, you just you don't really think about that when you put your helmet on. You just drive out, and it's just another another thing to do. Um, um, probably the big thing that you notice when you go to Sepang is yeah, is not only the the grandstands and how big they are, and you know how many people must be there to fill it. Uh, it's just the pit facilities as well, how how grand they are. Um, and I mean it. I guess the only thing local that I've been to is now in Tail and Ben, you know, the pit facilities there are pretty good. Um, and that's kind of how how Sepang is. Sepang is just a little bit bigger, you know. Um, it's, um, yeah, you don't really think about, you know, what it all means. I, I raced at Dubai as well, did the 24-hour over there, and it was a very similar situation as Malaysia. Um, you just... Yeah, you just go out and just yeah, you just drive, and that's that's the good thing about it when you can just not think about stuff and just drive. It's good. The um, the media center at the at Sepang is about the size of um, or what can I compare it to? <laughs> Almost the size of the infield at Wanneroo. It's it's nuts. Yeah, but the scale the scale of that thing is just yeah. It's it's about the size of four times McCracken House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I mean, they've uh, over the years. I think I think the first time I was there is two thousand and one. Um, the last time I was there is two thousand fifteen or sixteen. I think. Um, so I raced there fourteen or fifteen times. Uh, a couple, I think, a couple of times I raced there twice a year, but. Um, and they they actually changed all the the monitors in in that media center and and to give you an idea there was just rows and rows of of tables and chairs with and every table and chair had a monitor above it so they on I did count it once I think it was something like 120 TVs yeah. or monitors it's absolutely crazy the amount there and I reckon they changed those monitors mm-hmm. three or four times in that time that I was there. Yeah, it's um but Samsung's down the road, so what do you expect? It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely um yeah, eye opening to go to those to that sort of a facility. I mean, yeah, from a media yeah. perspective. Um, you know, as say like, yeah, all the I mean I was over there in two thousand nineteen and all the yeah, every desk had three monitors above it. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, you know, like right. there was you know, and yeah, it was just, yeah, it was awesome. And then you sort of go to some of the stuff, um, yeah, even the National Series stuff here in Australia and, you know, you sort of, 
maybe one or two TVs for the whole room. Um, everyone's packed in like sardines and yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. It was, it, I mean, as much as it was an international venue, I mean, at that time we, I remember one year we had a, an issue in practice and um, the engine builder was listening to the engine and he's like, Oh, it doesn't sound right. And um, no one else could hear anything, but um, so he ended up having to pull the engine out and he rebuilt the engine on the floor put it back in the car that night. Um, the team had dropped me back at the hotel um, and um, picked me back up at midnight. I got back out of the track at midnight and I ran the, the, the motor in the car just doing figure eights in the car park and then I went out on the track and they were they were putting all the signs up and the bridges up on the track and, um, and so I wasn't allowed to go fast. Um, not because there was people on the track, but the engine builder wouldn't let me go over two and a half thousand RPM. Yeah. So, and I ran that car in until six o'clock in the morning. Um, and, um, and then they dropped me back um, to the, the hotel and picked me up at 12 o'clock at lunchtime to qualify and we put it on pole. Um, but then I got stopped a couple of times. Now I go, oh, are you allowed out here? And I said, yeah, I was told I can come out here. And they said, oh, who said? And I said, oh, Kuma said, because the team principal's name was Kuma. Um, yeah. the, the guy that ran the track, his name was Kuma too, but I didn't say that. <laughs> so uh, they thought I was talking about him, of course. Um, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, they let us through and we just, um, we just kept going around and around and around and around. It's um, crazy. Yeah, things you do in motorsport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things you just never say die. I've had yeah, a lot of those type of instances over the years, even locally here with saloon cars. I've had a, a last round of one of the years. Um, I just had to just keep banging points. Rick Gill was actually in front of us some points. And um, second last race, um, I'd come out I had a few problems with the engine uh, misfiring and bits and pieces from the race one um, I actually did uh, stopped during the race because I took off from the line and something happened it just wasn't running right and I stopped up on the short track had the bonnet up got it got out got the bonnet up found it was a lead that wasn't clicked on properly got back in the car, I started it and I was starting to build up and realised I left the bonnet back up, um, Put the got back out, put the bonnet down, um, got back in, um, got the belts on. Um, lo and behold, at the same time, there was a, a safety car out. So the cars were running under safety. Uh, so by the time I got going again, I, I shot back out of the, the short track up at turn five there, right in front of the safety car and um, caught to the back um, and, um, yeah, got a few extra points and then won the last race and I think I beat Rick by two points or something for the, for the season. So, it was, um, yeah, those little things sometimes can make the difference in the championship. Yeah, crazy. The um, – I guess looking at the, the amount of races, the V8 Utes sort of, I guess – slowly tapered off was that a financial reasons yes yeah absolutely i mean we had um had uh grow fruit juice from queensland um 
yeah, yeah, basically sponsor us um, wholly and solely from uh, 2016 right through to 2000, oh, sorry, 2006 right through to 2009. 2010 um, was basically a, a round by round proposition. Uh, we had a couple of um, sponsors during the season uh, do different rounds. Um, we had uh, local um, uh, Mal Nile. Um, he he sponsored us, um, gave us some money during the year as well, um, just so we could get to every round. Um, and um, we only managed to get through that 2010 championship season. Um, and then it, um, yeah, we kind of everything we had, we threw it at at it towards the end of that 2010 because we were were leading in the championship, um, which we obviously won. And then um, 2011, um, it was really uh, shoestring, um, piecing together bits, borrowing bits. Um, yeah, only just got to every round, really. Um, and that was actually the worst season. Uh, I think we finished fourth for the season. And, and um, yeah, ended up selling the car in 2010, uh, 12. Uh, leased the car out at, at the first round, and um, and then um, yeah, we ended up selling the car during that year to um, to Todd, and um, yeah, then it got wrote, written off a year after. Turning to local racing, um, how many times have you won the saloons championship now? Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's nine in total. So it was two thousand six and seven, um, and then the last seven in a row. Do you think anyone on the grid's going to be able to catch you this year? Uh, there's a couple of really fast cars there, um, and I guess cars and drivers a combination of of them too. <laughs> um, uh, it's just consistency, isn't it? It's like anything. Yeah. It's just, I guess that's probably the big thing over the, the last few years in particular. Um, there's been a couple of guys there um, um, that have been, been fast enough. Um, you know, Brock, um, you know, he's been really fast at, at certain events, but he just ha- hasn't been able to get every round together to, to really have a championship challenge. And I think that's the big key is just just doing all those small things, just plugging away. If you're not having a a good event, um, you can come away with a with some decent points. You know that's um, it's going to help. I mean, there's no kind of like Collie just gone. You know, we had power steering problems, uh, didn't get a qualifying lap in, finished last, like qualified last, uh, went out in the first race with with no power steering at all, um, steering wheel upside down, all this type of stuff, um, plugged away, got up the fourth. Um, you know, we didn't even do a wheel alignment on the car. We didn't have time after changing racks and bits and pieces. We managed to get steering, power steering to work. Um, still wasn't really where it needed to be and um, end up winning the race two and three which gave us um, the round win. And, I mean, that would have generally been our worst worst weekend. So if you can kind of piece those things together at the end of the championship, um, you're going to be thereabouts, aren't you? It was very unusual not to see you on the top 
top the first race up down there, that's for sure. That's the first first race I haven't won since 2015 down there. <clears throat> Jesus. <laughs> and first meeting I've ever gone to and Colin not put on pole. So that's uh, it was a lot of firsts that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wrong type of first, though. <laughs> the wrong type, but uh, <laughs> character building, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. Character building. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Brent now for a little bit because um, you're probably sick of talking with me. And uh, yeah, I'll hand you over to Brent, and then uh, we'll come back and yep. have a bit more of a chat. No worries. <laughs> That's cool. It's hopefully um, the audio from my end hasn't been too messed up. I've been uh, wrangling kids and, and getting them fed and doing all those dad type things in between, which is uh, yep. sometimes easier than it sounds. Um, especially oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so Grant Hamilton, I mean Johnson, um, <laughs> Collie finally, finally got the tradition broken. You've answered some of the questions I've already got on post-it notes here from, well, not questions, just comments about, you know, like, uh, the, ne the next Brock that uh, that was, and and you know the, uh, I think some of the saloon car members have uh, provisionally changed your name to Grant Hamilton, um, just because you can't be beaten. And uh, yeah, it's they reckon yeah, this right. is the year. But uh, the way you fought back at Collie, I think it's uh, it's not going to be that easy. Like you said, you've got to be able to stitch it together, have the crew to do it, and uh, the experience of of getting around those sort of problems because it can derail you. You know, you have a day like that, and you just get that defeated sort of mindset and, and you can't stitch it back together, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the first round was a, a classic as well. We had, you know, I've, I've been waiting for a new engine because uh, I, 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 um, I accidentally didn't do the spark plugs up uh, properly in the, on my old motor. Um, so it obviously it leaned out and caused a few issues. So um, any budding mechanics out there, make sure you do up your spark plugs. Um, the, uh, so yes, I've been waiting for a new engine. So I had to borrow a car for the first round. So I actually brought my dad's car out of mothballs uh, for the first round and that had never raced since 2009. So um, w wasn't really sure what, what was gonna happen. Didn't qualified, you know, fourth, fifth, something like that. And mm -hmm. um, fought my way up into second and then, um, we had a few starter starter motor issues and so I was playing around with the starter motor wires and unfortunately the ignition was turned on while the the, um, the power cable was on the brake line, um, put a hole through the brake line, caused an engine fire. Um, this was just before race two um, at the Barbagello round. So um, we, uh, once I got the dummy off the floor, uh, we, um, we um, yeah, managed to um, cut the brake line, flared it, um, did a makeshift uh, brake line, um, which wasn't um, the best, but it got us out for the remaining two races, which um, we walked away with a second. So, yes, there's all these little things um, it's going to, you know, hopefully help us at the end of the, the year. But, um, yeah, those Falcons are definitely fast this year. So, yeah, we're going to have to watch them. Yeah, I think they're, they're starting to get them really sorted out. And that whole brake line battery cable thing, I've done that before on a clutch line. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I had more than my dummy on the floor. Um, 
yeah. Um, oh yeah. I've uh, yeah. It wasn't wasn't the best best moment straight after. I just uh, I just I actually didn't say anything. I just walked away. I was just, what do you do? Um, then I wandered over and um, uh, yeah, end up buying uh, borrowing a brake flaring kit and um, of the Hoys actually and. Um, yeah, they and Byron helped us out and got got it going, got it back out there, and um, yeah. But um, I mean, the Falcons have been fast for quite a few years. Um, uh, it's just that um, we've always kind of known that it's probably more the the driver um, that's kind of held held back. You know, the speed of the Falcon, um, and you know, young Mason. Um, is going to be one of the ones to watch out for this year, I think, um, if he can kind of um, hold his aggression um, together a bit. Um, you know, he's you know he's young, so he's you know young drivers tend to be quite emotional. Um, so just try and um, if he contain that, I think um, yeah he'll be he'll be hard to hard to beat. So we'll just have to pray for rain because the Commodore tends a bit tends to be a little bit better in the rain, and I don't mind when it's wet. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, so on to some, like I'll ask a couple of random, I usually go down technical route, but there's so much stuff you've done. So, um, and, and you mentioned a couple of things that I want to know a little bit more about. So what was the, the format? So this is before my time in WA. What was the format for the three by three night masters? Oh, yeah. So basically it was, um, basically there was three heats. So, um, and each heat, involved three races of three laps um so oh, wow. there was yeah so there was 10 10 cars that were invited into the night masters and um and so fir first race um was was qualifying um and then it was reverse reverse on finishing order so if you finish first in the first race you would start from 10th and so we did a you, everyone would go across the line after three laps to get a, a checker um, and then we would we would um, reform um, in reverse order for a rolling start the next lap and we did all that by ourselves without you know safety cars or anything else so it was um, three quick laps a quick reform three more laps uh, first the back end so it was reverse grid each time um and um yeah it was and we had really good crowds then so that was that was the um that was the start of the night masters that's what the night masters was for the first kind of three or four years um before it was dropped so were they a was the night masters standalone from the, the normal series back then yeah, so they had a night what they call a night master series. So they did it over uh, two or three rounds. Uh, so it was normally kind of January, February. Um, I think we did a um, uh, February, March um, as well. Um, might have been that January, February, March at one stage. It was just a Saturday night, uh, and um, yeah, so it wasn't part of any kind of um, street car sports sedan championship um, as such. It was basically invited cars so we had sports sedans um, v8 supercars um and i think we had a couple of sports cars like um you know walter airpool and stuff like that in the porsches yeah um so there were all the the faster type cars um and um 
yeah, yeah, it was um, yeah, really, really good to watch. Uh, and that's and we we oh, the WA Sporting Car Club pulled quite a good crowd to watch that type of thing because it was quick, sharp, exciting racing because the fast cars are always at the back. And when you had a couple of V8 supercars, I mean, we had one year, it was actually the first year um, Bowie was with the CAT team um, and um, Bowie ran in the Night Masters here in the EL and um, that was his first drive. So when was that? That would have been 99, 98, 99, 99, 98, something like that. No, that's awesome. That's that's a hell of a show. That's uh, yeah. I don't know if you're able to if with Motorsport Australia and all the different rules and BS that goes on. It'd be cool to see something like that brought back because I, I love the idea oh. of Night Masters and you know the, the way the speedway works so well is because it is a short, sharp show that uh, doesn't stop and there's no dead track. You know, so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, oh, I was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, I think I've actually got video of it because uh, at the time I. Uh, my sister's uh, boyfriend or husband at the time, um, he, um, yeah, he videoed it all. So I'm pretty sure I've got some of that on videotape. Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome to see. And there's a good video floating around of a heap of highlights of yours on, on, um, on the old YouTubes. And I think that captures that moment in that civic you talked about going off the end of the last turn at Bathurst there, taking the taking the, uh, the, oh, the mirror way to, taking yes. the way to wait off. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yep. good. Yep, that's that's one. And actually, some of those videos will show some of those Nightmaster shots oh. as well. Yeah, so so that's um, yeah, the the vision at night. Uh, there was a yeah, we had a one of the nights was when Claude Georgie had um, just redone the because he had the um, the Seton um, Falcon at the time, um, and he'd re repainted it and done it to ELs spec uh, so it was white and red at the time and we had a real real good ding dong battle um at the night masters and um yeah managed to get it over him um, so there was a lot of passing um and that yeah some of that visions on that on that as well yeah that's that's really cool It'd be cool to see that brought back and another thing and shane's probably sick of me talking about this and i tell anyone who cares but um <laughs> you mentioned the, the warner 300 a couple of times and um you know, the only reason I still have XLs is because the uh, we have the Enduro over here. I miss running in Enduros. They, they run yep. a couple of different formats in New Zealand with them. Did one in Queensland a little while back. And, um, yeah, you know, we don't really have the – well, we've got the categories here to do it. You know, sports and sports cars, saloons are great for it. But for whatever yep. reason, they just uh, don't quite get going, and it sort of sucks. It's something that I, I really don't know how to, how to make it work, but it would be awesome to be able to get that back off the ground because Enduros are just cool. It just brings that little bit of teamwork out. It's, it may, it's a bit yep. more fun. Um, oh, yes, yeah. It's a different thing, you know, something different. 100%. It becomes a team team race rather than just one driver because um, everyone's involved in it. Uh, yeah, we, we've done quite a few with the, the saloon cars over the years. Uh, we did a uh, one with a – we actually changed cars so we couldn't refuel. They wouldn't let us do any refueling um, and because we had to have – at the time we had the dry brake, which saloon cars didn't have, so we did a car change. So we actually um, uh, basically sure. come in and you swap cars. <laughs> so yeah. um, so car, car was waiting there with the driver in there and take off. So we did a 100-300 like that and done a couple of 100s and 
Um, and yeah, Sloan guys are trying to get um, an enduro um, this year as well. So um, we want to get back into that side of it as well. And uh, it just means you can get another another person in the car as well, um, particularly from a category point of view. Um, it's good to just get someone that's maybe not in the category, um, have a drive of the car, see see what they, you know, um, see if they like it and um, hopefully build grids that way as well. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's working for Excels and, um, yep. yeah, I mean, as soon as you bring fuel into it, it gets hard because you need five crew and they need to be suited and booted and, and all the rest that comes in it. But the steeplechase model, like, uh, you know, the car swap we do with street car, we did with street cars a couple of years ago, just because they don't carry yep. the fuel load and the, you know, the hot turbos just don't, don't lend themselves to that solar racing as much. So yeah, it's, um, just something to get their back on their own because it's different. And when you, when you want to go over east and if you're not, and the, the ability to go and do, you know, sports sedans or national category or something like that, then the, the option is to to do a pay drive in the production cars in the six hour and the 12 hour. And um, if you know the experience in enduro, you, you sort of know we're there anyway. And some of those drives aren't that expensive to go and do, you know, especially. Uh, uh, yeah, well, they end up actually cheaper than if you took your own car over there to try to do a, a sprint race. Uh, so, yes, yeah, and especially some of the, you know, like the Mazda 6s and stuff like that, they had the, you know, the real production-based cars as opposed to some of the, you know, the hotter Beamers and that that are, that are running around in production cars. Some of the, the more modest production cars are dirt cheap to go join a team for a weekend. Oh, absolutely. And the amount of, and, and I've always found uh, it, it's a massive benefit because you are you get so many laps. Yeah, and as a driver, particularly, you know, um, as as amateur drivers, I mean, which we kind of all are really, um, is that you, you never get enough seat time and um, and seat time equals pace. So the more you can drive, and it doesn't matter what you drive or where you drive, but the more you do, um, the better you're going to be at it. So um, doing enduros, even though you're not uh, technically racing at 100%, or you shouldn't be in an enduro, um, you know, you're still learning every lap and it just makes you a better driver. Yeah, wicked. So I was going to ask, you know, what you, you've been driving for a long time. You're one of the unstoppables. And um, I was going to ask what you, what you find is the biggest benefit of, of all that experience and, uh, and driving different cars. And I suppose you, you just pretty much answered that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't, I really, I, I don't know what the secret is, to be honest. I, I've just... I've always found, I think from the from the get-go, when I first started driving, I was driving the VL, uh, the Brock car, um, it had a lot of power. We were running on um, 225 Formula R um, Dunlops, so they were quite a small tyre, um, so there wasn't heaps of grip, and I was scared. I was scared of the car. Um, the car was... It was a lot faster than I thought that I'd be able to drive it. Um, so I guess I always drove it so I was in control. Um, and I think that's been the key. And I drive pretty much all the cars the same, is that, you know, if it's if the car starts to understeer or the car's not going where I want it to go, I'll go a little bit slower um, and, then, and then drive out of the corner and... And I've just kept that driving style going ever since, and and I've just figured that um, I just must have a good feel of of grip. 
So if it, if it can go a little bit faster into the corner, I'll go a little bit faster. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's just having a feel of the grip that you've you've got and being able to, um, yeah, take advantage of it. Um, I think if you, I used to tell the guys um, when I was doing a lot of driver training, um, particularly in the V8 U um, era, was that you know you were coming out of a corner and you'll probably think to yourself, oh, I probably could have got on the throttle a little bit earlier. Um, and generally speaking, if you're thinking that, you probably got it absolutely correct because um, if you can get it on early, you probably probably would be spinning spinning out or going sideways or something. So, um, yeah, that kind of answer your question. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, Sorry absolutely. Ramble on a bit. So. No, no, that's that's absolutely cool. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a few things jotted down here, but then I'll, I'll talk about a couple now. But, so obviously, WA, um, you know, we're one of the most most. I think we are the most remote city in, the, in this part of the world um so it's obviously really hard to get in a state um it's a lot more expensive these days than what it was but there is a few more options you know trucking and lines and that are a bit easier but um getting support to go and racing nationally is just really hard back back in the day um you know you, you had a bit of help from some guys but you're still i mean I, I don't know but you're probably still always behind the eight ball compared to you know the melbourne and sydney based crews do you think that plays a big role or it's, it's just one of those things we just got to suck up being over here? Um, no, you're right. It does make a massive role. Uh, or, um, the, um, yeah, I've, I've, I had quite a lot of opportunities over the years that um, I probably could have taken advantage of, but I would have had to move out of WA. Um, and um, at the time, from family and work commitments and stuff like that i just never did and um and that's probably the difference between uh me doing what i've done which is is a lot compared to 99 uh, of drivers so you know not saying i haven't done much um but um and probably going on to you know doing a lot more um as if i was eastern eastern bates uh states bound i would have um yeah, would have probably um, picked up a few extra drives. Mm. And then, so definitely, yeah, jumped, definitely jumped that hamper. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just the big businesses are over there. The, uh, the business models have changed a little bit. Um, so yeah, just to make it harder. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, when I when I first started driving V8 supercars, I mean, um, I was same age as Craig. And um, I mean, he was the the young young bike on the on the block, and everyone um, was old at that stage. Um, and um, the you know we were approaching teams, um, and um, and the teams would just simply say, "Oh, you're too young." Um, and then it was only like two years later, and I was like, "Oh, well, you're too old." <laughs> so it was, uh, it was kind of a weird situation and um yeah being over here you know we we spoke to john faulkner at one stage and because i'd beaten him in, at the local round here and um he even commented um you know how he couldn't catch the the black local uh um and um yeah we just you know, we we're trying to get a drive with him and um, his comment was that, you know, well, you know, if I drove the car and 
um, blew the engine up, what would happen and, you know, this and that. And we had a sponsor at the time that was prepared to pay for all that type of stuff, but uh, just never got the chance. Um, well, I think if we're kind of over east in their face every day, um, things might have been a bit different. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, no, so- absolutely. And like the, the story you had about the, the first V8 Ute drive you got when you got, when you managed to get yourself overnight up to Darwin to uh, God's country and um, yep. jump in the car up there. Do you think those sort of opportunities still exist these days? Or is it that, like, and I know a few guys that are in the game now, and it's so much so commercialized now and so dollar driven because it is such an expensive sport at that level. You know what? Even the the new Utes are still, you know, uh, yeah. the opportunity is not really there to just get called up and go drive because you're you're a gun. You know? No, that's right. It was it was only because I, you know, John was um, Patchos was running the team, and you know we're obviously met when we were running uh, the the uh, Konica car and and from there he actually helped me with with a few race cars in between as well uh my first vn saloon car that type of stuff um so we we're really good mates um even back then and uh the opportunity came up and i guess because he knew me he thought that you know i'd do a reasonably good job in the car and that i might and i might be able to find some funds to get there um if I didn't have the funds, I wouldn't have got there the first time. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when I did the the chance of a lifetime and I paid that entry money, the two and a half thousand, you know, people were asking me, why would I do that? Um, and, and again, when I did the, the first Malaysian drive, you know, why would I pay for the drive? Um, and I, and I just said to him, look, if you, if you won't back yourself, how can you ask someone else to back you? You know, so and that's exactly what happened. I backed myself. I won the chance of a lifetime. I got the free drive. I paid the drive in Malaysia. Um, from there, I got free drives. I got paid to drive up there. I got free accommodation, flights. You know, everything came from that first drive that I backed myself. Um, and and it was the same with the Ute. I paid that first round. It was um, it was a discounted round compared to you know the the full retail, I guess. Um, but it was still a lot more than um, we could afford. And um, and from there, it, it stemmed into you know some really good years and and grow fruit juice and Greg Willis. They you know without those type of people I would have never done anything because they just they spent a fortune on me um and and hopefully they got some some benefit out of that which I think they did they got a lot of promotion um and I guess that's kind of why they do it but um yeah that's yeah where it all comes from yeah absolutely um and you know it takes a yeah it's just you've got to have those relationships I don't know how because um, you know it comes up, you see it all the time in the for- and well, um, people messaging and there's all these different um, ads out there for sponsorship and stuff like that. And I know a lot of the young guys get caught up in it, but it's almost impossible to do. And oh yeah, you, you know once you once you're past into your twenties, it's pretty hard to do anything unless you've yeah. already got those relationships in place. And 
you're already too old. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Um, unfortunately, motorsport is so. It, I mean, it is um, financially driven. Um, so, and and most sponsorship will come from people you know or people that they know. You know, so there is some kind of connection that um, that where the where the money is coming from. Because at the end of the day, um, yeah, money gets the car on the track. So it's. Uh, it's got to come from somewhere. So, um, yeah, most of those relationships are forged um, from family, friends, that type of thing. Um, and, um, yeah, once you've got a name, that's a little bit different, but um, uh, you've got to start somewhere, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a hard yeah. fact, but it's life and, we, and we're still enjoying it. And we've still got to crack a local categories with the racing, which is really, really Absolutely. cool. Um, so on the local racing, TA2 is the buzzword of the year, I suppose, for, for us, with, with more and more maybe. Yeah. Uh, any truth to the rumour that you're, uh, you're going to be in one soon? <laughs> uh, only if the volleys are listening. Um, no. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I've been, been thinking about it for a long time. Um yeah, no, there's nothing on the horizon at all. Um, no, I just, I, I, I personally couldn't couldn't afford to run one of those. I wouldn't be running even the saloon car um, if it wasn't for Martin Engineering. Um, so, um, yeah, so unless unless some, someone's uh, wants me to drive one, and um, yeah, there's nothing. So if, you, if you're out there and listening to this for, for whatever reason, and yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you have to listen to this for whatever reason, you and you got a couple hundred grand burning a hole in your pocket. We need a uh, another another uh, TA two car for Grant. Well, that's it. If there's yeah, if someone wants to buy a car and wants to run, um, hopefully towards the front. Um, yeah, I'm available. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and it's going to be cool to see what happens there, especially with you know running their own national round over here and backing it up with one back to back in Collie, which is kind of a cool idea and cool for a national category coming over and doing that. You know, the, the guys are pushing it really hard, which is a cool thing to see. Absolutely. I think it's it's a fantastic idea. The com- They've got all that expense to come here anyway. So to to have the two rounds at two different tracks, um, it just makes sense. It's just ho- yeah. hopefully they get a, a lot of Eastern Staters coming across. Yeah, so they still, they've got one, tr- from what I know, the, and I'll probably find out more at a committee meeting tomorrow night, but they've got... One transport locked in, and a second is is in the works. So that's Fantastic. six cars, and then yeah, another means another six. So um, that that would be good if they can pull that off for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the uh, I guess a lot of those TA two cars, if they're they're sponsored by n- national brands, um, definitely makes it easier. To get across because it kind of ticks that box off that we go to every state. Yeah, um, yeah. I know that's kind of you know what we were always angling you know in the V8 Utes, um, and it kind of made it easier to do, get national type sponsors. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so, I mean it's it's all about just getting people here, isn't it? So if you can get get a get a couple of trucks over, so there'll be twelve plus the locals. So it's um yes, yeah, be a good some good racing. Yeah, and and two very very different tracks, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, the bipolar opposites, Collie and, and Wanneroo. So no, be very very cool. Yeah, um, one, one's a horsepower track and one's a driver's track. 
<laughs> yeah, just two, two very different places, uh, very different experiences. And yeah, the um, the TA2s on, on the other week and just being there, uh, it was hard on them. So it took them a bit to get their heads around how to make them work out there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, because uh, they move around so much anyway, um, um, over the, the bumps and the curbs. So, and um, yeah, I think the, the good drivers in them are going to be fast and they'll be really hard to catch. Yeah. Yeah, abs absolutely. So speaking of tracks, you've, you've driven a lot of places here and, and overseas. What What is your, your hands-down favourite track and, and what is the single reason why? That's a really hard question to answer. Um, I must have been asked a thousand times. Um, I, 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 I really couldn't answer it. I, I've, I've always just thought that the next track I'd race at, um, um, I really don't have any tracks I don't like um and it's and i think i'm really lucky that i've actually been competitive at pretty much every track i've gone to um which does make it harder because if you're not good at a track you tend to not like it um i i don't know um i i i actually do, don't mind eastern creek um uh, i haven't driven it since they've changed uh the turn turn seven um but um yeah we, we used to do a fair bit of um testing there that used to be the local uh for the the utes uh the workshop wasn't far from there and we used to actually drive the ute to the track do the test day and then drive it back to the workshop yeah, um, awesome. um so um yeah i'd have to say eastern creek and and only probably because um i used to love turn one um really fast um yeah kind of like philip island i guess turn one um and um yeah and again i was always pretty good there so um yeah eastern creek yeah philip island i don't know yeah <laughs> all the above <laughs> yeah now you got my vote with philip island for sure <laughs> um and the last question i got before you give back to shane to to go down memory lane again the, um, have you any weird superstitions or anything you do before you get in the car or before your race day that if you don't do it, it, it just really rails you? And we've had some weird ones and we've had some pretty normal ones and we've had some annoying ones that I'm now doing for some stupid reason. <laughs> like what? I've got What's an annoying one, Brent? Oh, so there's there's a few guys that uh, – and a couple of the supercar drivers have all got the same one where they uh, – they have to pick a toilet stall or a specific toilet block. And if they don't use that toilet all the time, it really upsets their routine and throws their whole day out. I think we've had three different no, drivers no. now that have said that one, Shane. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's the thing. And now like, yeah, I've yeah, gone, yeah, it's, it's, it's throwing me off. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if, if I, if I was racing against those guys, I would have some danger tape or something like that. And I would tape it tape the door so they couldn't use it. Yeah, you'd watch them you figure out which toilet they went to after driver's briefing yeah. and then uh, straight back Absolutely. there, tape it up. Yeah, Tape it up. Oh, yeah, because I, I like um, mind games. So, um, yeah, I do stuff like that. Um, no, I don't have anything. Uh, the only thing that I – if I'm sitting in the car a long time, I have this thing about bonnet pins because um, I've had a couple of bonnets come up over the years. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah, if I if I haven't checked the the pins myself as I've got in the car, 
uh, for some reason, which I try to, I'll um, I'll always ask someone to just check the bonnet pins. So that's that's pretty much it. Nothing otherwise. Nothing. That's a pretty smart one, really. That's that's not dumb. <laughs> you know, I put that up with me having to check that the Dorian actually works every time, even though it's wired in and blinking at me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care about the Dorian. <laughs> I really could not care. <laughs> if I'm in the car, are they going to say the car's not there? Like, <laughs> fair enough in qualifying, but in the race, it doesn't matter, does it? <clears throat> no, yeah, the amount of times I've gone out and, and, and the dash has told me I've done awesome, and then for whatever reason, the Dorian hasn't worked. That's those old, you know, the big oh. old chunky blue ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so it's like a, just a, a, a tick that I have now that I have to uh, have to check that damn thing is working and, yeah, Doug, you're think I'm retarded because every day I'm there waiting for him. I'm saying, can you just make it, scan this for me? Make sure it works. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, my my favorite question for our for our guests, um, if you were able to team up with any. Um, we just say drivers, any driver from any era of motorsport, uh, from any discipline of motorsport to basically be your co-driver um, slash coach, who would you want that to be? Um, well, actually funny you should ask that because we, in the V8 Utes, we actually had a, a, um, a driver change race at Clipsal and, the, and it was basically a legends race. So I actually end up um, racing with Tony Longhurst. Um, but the person I was trying to get was Mark Scaife. So um, I'd have to say Scaifey. So, yeah, we tried to get Scaifey. Um, he couldn't drive with us because of his commitments at the time. Um, so, um, yeah, so we had um, had some people at Castrol mentioned that um tony might be interested so yeah so tony ended up driving with us what what is it about scafe that you wanted him in the car with you um it's not his input to the uh the pits at at wanneroo um <laughs> the <laughs> um i just when i was younger i guess he was uh top of the Top of the tree, um, you know. Remember watching him at um, when he was with Nissan, and um, you know, he went through Winfield and stuff. And I uh, was always, you know, uh, I guess you know people think, oh, I'll go with Peter Brock or whatever. But I was probably a bit younger, and Peter was at the end of his um, motorsport career when I was really kind of at the start of mine, I guess, and. Um, yeah, so I guess Scaife was the the next one, and um, yeah, just thought um, he'd do a good job, and um, and we'd hopefully win win some races. That's what was the plan. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I don't think we've. Um, I don't think anyone's actually said like. Uh... No, I think we've had a have a few few mention them, but. Um... You know, for the for similar reasons, that's why you know Steve Richards was a pick for me because that that slightly later era, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess um, you know, I mean, um, 
you know, at the time, I mean, Scaife, I'm pretty sure Scaife was, um, he just finished driving as well. So I guess that was probably the the mindset at the time. So it wasn't a current driver. Um, so, yes, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, don't, I don't have too many idols, <laughs> to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. So... Ending out the episode, um, I know you... one last question. Oh, okay, jump in now. Oh, sorry to break it. You no, know, I had it written down. I had three post it notes because I'm so well organized. So, um, and, and sorry to bust in Shane, but I know, uh, if I don't ask this, it's it'll kind of bug me. But, um, you did a lot of stuff with Al Letcher, right? Yep, and like terrific bloke, funny dude. Um, What's what's your one best memory you've got from spending the time with him, especially between garages and that sort of, you know, that's, you know, that's where some of the fun is, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess um, the the funniest thing that um, I would have to say, and this will probably embarrass him, um, was before he before I actually ever drove with him. So um, he went to the 12 hour and um, he was racing a VN Commodore in the 12 hour. Um, so himself, Steve Hitson and my dad. Um, so um, this, the start of the 12 hour was um, early in the morning. So it was at night, basically in dark. Um, my dad had done no driving at night at all because he was never starting. Alan was starting, so he did all the night practice. Um, and the night before, um, they thought they'd decide to uh, do a bit of uh, celebrationary drink, um, which um, doesn't sound up... at all. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you celebrate before you do the race? Um, so, um, yeah, Alan found himself inside wardrobes and all this type of stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, so he didn't start the race. My dad ended up starting the race in the dark so, <laughs> without going through too much of the, the actual event. Um, yeah, that would uh, be one of the funniest things um, that's happened. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, Alan's a, a great bloke, um, been a big supporter of myself. Um, um, uh, business partners as well with um, V8 Drive Day until um, we sold it, and um, and um, yeah, still a very fierce competitor, um, and um, yeah, very fast in his own right as well. Oh, and and just a super super nice dude. He, he got me the uh, first set of slicks I ever used when I went to sports sedans, and uh, um, yeah, I wish I got to see that little cro. I think the last the last car that was supposed to go to Sepang was a little Corolla and I don't know I don't, I don't know whatever ended up happening with that car but uh, yeah really so the yeah well. well that was that was actually a hull damaged car so um yeah so I I was helping them build that so we um Gary Hills um and I um basically did all the roll cage in it um you know it was it was Gary's and Alan's car uh, initially um I was um the the ring so I was doing all the the, the labour and stuff to get a drive um, and then um, yeah they changed changed some of the rules um, at Sepang um, and um, yeah long story that never got never got to Malaysia so um, 
I heard someone had bought it um, and was going to do some um, uh, just some some speed event or you know practice days and that type of thing in with it, but um, I haven't heard much. Yeah, I remember we got put up for sale. It was dirt cheap. I log booked it for him a couple of years ago when I think Andy yeah, right. was tuning it. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of sucks it never came off because it was a cool cool car. I just remember it. Had, yeah, yeah, it was just a crawl. It would have been wild fuel cell, and you know would have driven for a day. You know, like yeah. it was a cool build. Well, that's car. that's what the the Malaysian um, series was about. Is it was, it was all production-based type stuff, but it was all easy stuff, stuff that, you know, um, it's more common sense, I guess. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, so the local competitors could could get a car and get out in the track. And, I mean, those days when I used to go up there, there was 77 cars on, on the star line, um, maximum grids. Um, you actually had to pre-qualify. So um, if you were too slow in qualifying, you went home. Yeah, well, no, that's cool. But no, cool. Thanks for letting me butt in, Shane, and, and ask that one because that was, uh, yeah. If I hadn't asked that, I would have would have kicked myself because, uh, yeah. you know, there's Al, Al's one of the cool guys of the sport that doesn't, uh, you, you just don't see around as much. Um, but he's done a lot, much like yourself, Grant. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he's done myself. a lot. Yeah, a lot of Bathurst. I think I think he's done like seven seven Bathurst in Super Tours and, and bits and pieces. Um, yeah, a lot of experience there. Done a lot of stuff, a lot of production stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of racing over east uh, that many people don't know about. Okay, final question. Um, mm-hmm. What's your plans for the future? Um, I assume not for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Why, hello. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, every year uh, for the past 10 years, I kind of get to the point where um, sometimes I'm not having fun, I guess. Um, and I think that, that happens to a lot of drivers, the, particularly the ones that have been doing it for a long time, I guess. The um, and and then if you're not having fun, it kind of takes takes a lot of the reasons why you do motorsport out of it, and that's one of the catalysts of of me getting out of Utes because it just got very political, um, with um, you know just them trying to trying to manipulate results and and find things wrong with your car and and bits and pieces so there's a lot of politics involved in all forms of motorsport so when that gets to the point where you um you lose the fun um you probably don't want to come back and and a couple of times in the last couple of years I've got to that stage again and and now with the kids doing a bit of um go-karting um, you know, a few people are kind of saying, well, you know, you've had your day, <laughs> give it up, give some time to your kids. And, and, you know, they're, they're really supportive as it's my whole, whole family and they, they don't want me to give up at all. Um, but I'm kind of getting to that point with work and everything else in life. There's just not enough time to do everything and, um, motorsport, um, particularly the way I do motorsport is that you've got to be 100% committed and um, 
yeah, so going forward, I just don't know if I've got the will to be that 100% committed because I can't can't turn up um, you know, unprepared and because um, that's just not me. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm very competitive, um, but everyone that knows me reckons that I'm probably the most competitive person they've ever met. <laughs> um, but and it's just that I don't say die, um, and um, and I just will. You know, turn over every stone to make sure that everything's right. Um, but I'm on the other other end. I'm kind of a very um, um, s- straight type person in the sense that you know if the rule book says ABC, I'll do ABC. I won't kind of do any grey areas. Um, and I've been like that since I was a kid. You know playing any board game or whatever I'm a I'm a stickler for rules and and um and that's kind of what I run to so um yeah to answer your question going forward I don't I don't know I just um at the moment I'm sitting on the fence I'm not having a heap of fun um but I'm not not liking it either so i'll probably just cruise along and and if um the opportunity is there to drive and that's the bit i like i don't like anything else other than the bit in the driver's seat i'll just keep doing it until i don't like it anymore i guess does that answer your question sure does and i, I think i think the um yeah where you say you know when you're not having fun that's that's when you should should stop and I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that is if it's not fun, why keep doing it? Absolutely. I just, I mean, it costs not, End up, costs yeah, so much. Costs so much. And it's, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's not even just all the money, it's all the time. Yeah. You know, the preparation, getting, you know, getting things to and from the track, um, you know, all the rest of it that goes into a race weekend is, it's massive. Um, and if you had that time to do on something else, um, it's like having a, a second or third job. Um, it, it's that much time. So, um, yeah, it's it's all about the fun, and that's what I was I was told when I first got in the car. You know, if you're not having fun, um, don't do it. And um, and that was the probably the one thing my dad ever said to me every time I got in the car. He, he didn't say be safe, um, you know, do well, do this, do that. The only thing he ever said to me was, you know have fun and that's what I've always done. Got in the car and and had fun. And and when I'm driving, I do have fun 99% of the time. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for um giving up. Gee, it's almost two hours now um of your of your um Tuesday evening um to have a chat with us and you know give people a bit of an insight into who Grant is and also you know about various aspects of motorsport that some people don't um, get to hear about. Um, yeah, oh, I appreciate the time. I, I just, uh, I was actually kind of a bit worried that I didn't have anything to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we could have, I mean, every episode we could absolutely go um, a lot deeper into a lot of people's history. And, you know, there's a lot of years that I did skim over, um, not because, you know, you were doing bad or you're doing just good or whatever. Um, but because we sort of want to, you know, keep, keep it interesting. Um, I think everything's interesting. 
Um, yeah. You know, the attention span um, is, uh, you know, my, my attention span is the only way I'd ever listen, uh, well, the only way I consume books now is if they're in audio. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. No one has time to sit down to, to read books. So, um, you know, it'd be the same as if we went, we went on into everyone's history in depth. Um, you know, we could spend four or five hours talking with someone, you know, especially like yourself. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. The, the more know, we've talked, the more I've remembered and I was like, oh, well, that was, that was an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's that. Yeah. Been very, very lucky over the years to, um, you know, to do what I've done and, and meet the people I've met. Um, you know, I met some fantastic people um, over the years and, and many of whom I still call friends and, and talk to. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, awesome. All right. Awesome times. Well, thanks again. Uh, thanks for coming back, Brent, from um, had a bit of scheduling issues. But, um, yeah, a few, few guests coming up. Um, and we'll see you trackside again, Grant, very soon. And yeah, don't forget, everyone, um, make sure you subscribe, follow, and all that lovely stuff. Uh, you're about to hear my voice again, give you a little insight on where you can do all that. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there, give us a follow, or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.